All right. Yes. If you need an outline, they are in the back. We've got more in the back. All right. If you got your Bibles with you tonight, um, go to Isaiah 45. Isaiah chapter 45, I say that because it's not on the, obviously you can see Matthew 24 is on the, uh, on the PowerPoint, um, but teens, I left our theme verse off, so we're going to start off with this. So go to Isaiah, if you got your Bible, Isaiah 45 verse 11. Let's, uh, let's start off with a word of prayer. Uh, Justin, you mind praying for us, brother? Amen. All right, so what are we talking about tonight, teens? Uh, no, but maybe, I guess, you know, when we, when we uh, do this combined service deal on Wednesday nights, I'll bring to you exactly what we were going to do with the teens. Um, so if you're an adult, you haven't heard any of this, um, but we're going through a series entitled What is to Come? Um, and what we're, what we're doing is looking at things coming in the future prophetically. Um, and it really was spawned from... A random lesson about six weeks ago, we, we weren't talking about these types of things, and I said one thing, I can't remember what it was about, and like all the teens were asking like a million questions, so I was like, well, that's probably something we should do, they're interested in that, so this is our third week of that, and we're not going through like a book study necessarily, like we could, like it's not like we're just going chapter by chapter through the book of Revelation, um, but we're actually just taking each subject or each uh, thing that happens in the, the time periods that are coming, and we're, we're tackling that week by week. So I don't have a graph for you or a, or a marker board or anything like that, um, but if, if, if we did, we started with the rapture, okay, because where, where we're at now is the church age, and what we believe is laid out in scripture very clearly is that the next thing on God's calendar is the rapture, okay, so the rapture takes place, and, and boom, the church is gone. Okay, and, and how soon do I think that'll be? I don't want to get weird, and, you know, if anybody listens to this online and thinks we're a crazy church, but I, I'll tell you this, it's close, okay? It's, it really is close, and I tell the teens all the time, uh, there you go, I tell the teens all the time, if the Lord gives me a full lifetime, man, it'll be well, it'll be well before that, okay? So, it's close. So, the rapture is what kicks this thing off, that's the next thing on, on God's calendar, um, and then after the rapture, okay, the first thing, the first things that are taking place is there's some things taking place at the same time, okay? You have judgments going on. You have the judgment seat of Christ, where, which is what we tackled last week. And the judgment seat of Christ is for those because we're raptured up, the church is raptured up, and we're going to be eyeball to eyeball with Christ, and he's going to judge us, not based on our salvation. That's why we're there, is because we were saved. But he's judging us based on our works after coming to Christ. Okay, but at the same time, that's why we obviously had to break these up into two separate weeks. At the same time that the church is being judged before Christ in, in heaven, uh, Israel and the rest of the world is going to be going through a judgment. That's what the tribulation is. Going through a judgment here on earth. Okay, And I'll say that there's probably, if you were to take 10 pastors from this area, 
and have them come preach about the tribulation, all ten of them would look different because there's a lot of crazy things surrounding this type of stuff. But um, this is what the, really what the Bible lays out. So we'll, we'll, we'll kind of tackle it tonight. So Isaiah 45, 11. This is our theme verse for this whole series. So does God want us to know? Are we wasting our time? Am I wasting the team's time over here going through that? I mean, they got their own problems, right? Well, no, the, the God wants us to know the, these type of things, okay? Isaiah 45, 11 says, Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and his Maker, ask me of things to come. Notice that. Ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands, command ye me. Okay, so, and there's, a, there's many different verses like that, but God wants us to know. He, he, he tells us, hey, man, seek me out on that. Okay, if you want to flip over to Revelation 1-3, these are not on the outline and not on the, the PowerPoint, but just to kind of, for some people that have not heard any of this, any of this series, be a good runway. Revelation 1 Verse 3, and I mentioned this to y'all teens, but talking about the, pra- uh, the practicality of, of us looking at these type of things, we're not going through Revelation specifically, but this is, obviously Revelation encompasses all the things we're talking about. Verse 3 says, blessed is he, okay, blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. Okay, so the person that hears these things and then the person that keeps these things in their heart, the person that applies this because of this, these things are coming, it changes their outlook on their life now. And that person's blessed and it can change the way that we that we see our life now. That's the whole point of it. If if these type of things don't change the way that I live now, then it is worthless. It is just knowledge. We talked about with the seven stages of spiritual growth. If, we, if, if something doesn't call us to more virtue, then it is, it is, at the end of the day, just knowledge, and that puffs up. So the whole purpose, the whole purpose of this, man, is to see, man, I need to, I need to be serious about my walk now because these things are coming. Okay, so Matthew 24, 21 in our handout. We'll primarily be in Matthew 24, so if you want to flip there, but we'll be really all over the place. So talking about the, the, the tribulation, the great tribulation, specifically tonight, verse 21 for then shall be great tribulation. I would like to read all the verses leading up to this. We just don't have time. For then shall be great tribulation. Check this out. Such as was, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Okay, so why does the Bible use specifically the word great before tribulation? Well, that's because this time period that we're talking about, which everyone, you know, we just call the tribulation typically, it uses such specific wording because we all go through tribulation throughout our, our lives now. Revelation chapter 5 says to, to glory in tribulations. Okay, he's certainly not talking about this tribulation, and we'll get to that, how we won't even be here if you're born again. But man, there's a specific, there's a difference in this type of tribulation and what's going on here. So he says, man, it, there's been nothing like it since the beginning of time, and there will be nothing like it after this. It's a big deal. So It'll be really teachy tonight because, like I said, the youth, uh, you know, trying to break this down on a level that, that we can all understand it. So it'll be some real basic things we're looking at it tonight. But number one, I want you to see the timing of the tribulation. The timing of the tribulation. Okay, when will the tribulation be? That's what we're, that's what we're asking. Okay, this is why I said if you, ask, if you got ten pastors from different churches, not from this church, but from different churches to preach this, um, they would say different things. 
okay? But we believe the Bible lays it out very clearly, your next blank, that the tribulation will be after the rapture. The tribulation will be after the rapture, okay? So again, in our little timeline here, the, the rapture is the next thing on the agenda. That, that's the problem with people going, and, you, and like when crazy stuff starts happening, happening in the world, you go to Facebook, and that has some of the worst theology is Facebook. Because people go and they start quoting like random verses from Matthew 24 and these different things. And it's, it's not necessarily really talking about the end of the church age. It's talking about things that are going to happen in the tribulation, okay? Now, can't, does the world, is the world getting ready for that? Absolutely. I mean, not to get, well, not to get political, but you just look at the last two years in our, in our world. And the world is pr- getting primed and ready for this type of world stage event, Okay. But the tribulation will be after the rapture. And again, we, we're just going to skim everything because I don't have time. There's no way anybody could go over the tribulation in one night. But skimming it, the way we know that is because Revelation 4, when you look at the book of Revelation, Revelation 1 through 3 is the church age. Okay, you, you hear me or Brother Lee or somebody else, you hear our, it seems like, at least maybe me, my favorite word is Laodicea. Okay, well that's because Laodicea is the time frame in which we live and that is in Revelation 3. So Revelation 1, really chapter 2 and chapter 3, lays out these seven churches that are representing seven time periods in the church age, which is the time we live, church age. And then Laodicea is at the end of chapter 3, and then chapter 4 gets there. And John, who is the the author of Revelation, John says this in verse 1 of chapter 4. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me. And you you see the picturing here. Which said, come up hither and I will show uh, show thee things which must be hereafter. So John is a picture of the church in your Bible. Okay, That's why Brother Lee last, this past Sunday, was talking about how, how John is the disciple whom Jesus loved. Well, Ephesians chapter 5 says, husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church. Okay, so, so John's a picture of the church and what is happening here in, in Revelation 4. He's just come through the church age, and then he's looking up, and Jesus, with the, the trumpet, is calling him up hither, which is a picture of the rapture. So again, that happens in chapter 4, and it's not until Revelation chapter 6 that we actually see stuff take place with the tribulation. Okay, you see that? So obviously 4 comes before 6, right? So Revelation 6.1, it's talking about the seals, and that's God's wrath being led out on this world, which is what's going on in the tribulation. But Revelation 6.1, and I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, come and see, okay? And we got a lot of other, other ways that we can break that down on why, and it, if it seems like this is a big deal, it's because it is. Because you go to YouTube and you look up preaching on the tribulation, again, you're going to hear all kind of different stuff, okay? But this is the way the Bible lays it out, okay? Secondly, as far as the timing goes, you, uh, you need to, this will help break everything down on why it is after the rapture, is, is we need to know this. The tribulation is about the nation of Israel, okay? The tribulation is about the nation of Israel. Why is that? Well, that's because the church is gone, okay? Church is, is raptured out. In what, so remember I said there's a judgment going, taking place in, in heaven before Jesus Christ, if you're saved. And that is the judgment seat of Christ. 
Okay, and then I said there was a judgment going on here on earth. And that what God's doing is God is judging Israel. Okay, he's judging. Why is he judging Israel? Well, because they rejected him as, as the Messiah. Okay, so he is, he is taking his judgment and he's, he's judging the nation of Israel. Okay, and, and what, what's so terrible about that is, is people that we know that are lost, that when that rapture does take place and they will go through some of this, Man, they're going through a judgment that wasn't even designed. It has nothing to do with them. Yet, they're obviously going to reap the, the consequences of it. So, Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7 says this, Alas, for that, gr- for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble. Notice that. The time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Okay, and then Jacob in our Bible is the nation of Israel. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. But to give you an example of that, Psalm 59, 13, he says, Consume them in wrath. Consume them that they may, that they may not be. And let them know that God ruleth, notice this, I underlined it, in Jacob. He's talking about a place there. He's not talking about a person. And that's where the Calvinists get so messed up, and I'm, I'm chasing so many rabbits, but the Calvinists go to Romans 9. And they apply when it's talking about God hateth Jacob or uh, God loveth Jacob, um, and he hateth Esau. Those are talking about nations there, as Psalm fifty nine is. So this 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 time of tribulation, it's after the rapture, and it's when God is dealing with the nation of Israel. Okay, number two. Again, really teach you tonight. The length of the tribulation. The length of the tribulation. Now I will say. Uh, if you're if you're a fan of some of the podcasts I'm a fan of, they'll they'll say a few other things, and they'll say the tribulation is a little bit shorter than what I'm about to lay out. But we really don't have time to go into why that could be or, or maybe maybe is not the case. But but here's the standard teaching: is the length of it is seven years. Look at Daniel chapter nine, Daniel chapter nine, verse twenty four. This is the whole layout of of prophecy that is to come is in the book of Daniel, even though it's Old Testament. Crazy as that is. And God is giving Daniel these, these, these visions, and he says this, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins. Okay, that's seventy weeks, that's a big deal. And to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Verse 27, this is, here's, here it is. And he shall confirm, he, the he there is the Antichrist, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Okay? There's 70 weeks going on here, which is a big deal, and this one week has to do with the tribulation. We'll lay all this out, but he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now, why is that a big deal? Okay, it's a big deal because it gives us the length of this, because these weeks here, these 70 weeks of Daniel are not literal weeks. Okay, they're uh, one week pictures seven years. Okay, well, how do we how do we know that? Well, people a lot smarter than me have found this out, but we, 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 we use a thing called the law of first mention. What is that? That's where we take a word in Scripture, and we go and compare. We're all about comparing Scripture with Scripture around here. If you hadn't caught on to that, that's, what it, that's, that's how you study the Bible. 
And as you, when you take a word, the first place it's mentioned in Scripture normally gives you a working definition of that word moving forward. Okay, so what's the first, okay, what, what is all this talking about, Daniel? Well, if you go to the first mention of, of week, it's found in Genesis 29. And this is, this, this is the story of uh, Jacob trying to work for Rachel, if you're, if you're familiar with that. Okay, and he works, uh, and, and he gets Leah at first, and Leah's not, not what he was after. All right, and, uh, and, and so he has this whole, this whole thing go down, but this is the verse. It says, fulfill her week. And we will give thee this also for the service which thou shalt serve with me yet seven other years. So, and I skipped over it, but th- th- your blank was this week is actually seven years. So that, that, is the, that is the time frame that's going on. So again, rapture takes place. That's the, that's the starting. That's the, that's the next thing on God's calendar. Rapture takes place. Boom, church is in heaven going through the judgment seat of Christ, and, and then a, a few things to follow. And the, the rest of the world's here on earth, right? The rest of the world's here. So you're either at the judgment seat of Christ. Someone's either at the judgment seat of Christ, they're either uh, here on earth, or they're already in hell. Because if, if that someone was lost and, and died before the, the rapture, okay? That, that's really your options. And so here, as that's going on, that's, as we're in heaven, man, the seven years is taking place here on earth. Okay, number three, I want you to see the transition of the tribulation. The transition of the tribulation. Now, I, I quoted this a second ago, but this is Daniel. I didn't put the reference, but this is Daniel 9.27 here. But notice what he says here. It says, and he shall confirm, this is the Antichrist. He's, he's uh, you know, when, when the rapture takes place, this Antichrist comes on the scene. Okay, and he's, he's a world leader. That's why, as we move forward in history, and you see people calling for world peace, you always gotta you always gotta question that whole stuff. Okay, because when people are not that unity's bad, but the word of God does divide. And when people are trying to, to bring in world unity, the ultimate world unity will be when the Antichrist is here on earth and when the church is gone. And so it says, and he shall confirm the covenant. Uh, uh, there's gonna be a a, a a peace treaty take place, and he'll he'll make this for one week, okay, for seven years. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna get out of his deal. He's going to break it, okay? And then what, this is the transition, and the, the big transition that takes place is, is, is uh, actually happens because of something that's called the abomination of desolation. And we see that here in this verse. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate. Okay, now again, teach you tonight, I get it. But what, what is this? This, this? All this stuff matters for all of this. What is the abomination of desolation? Well, notice here, uh, Christ quotes that, this verse in Matthew 24 when talking, about, talking to the disciples. It says, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken by Daniel, that's where we just read from, spoken by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy, uh, stand in the holy place, whosoever readeth, let him understand. Okay, he's saying, man, when you see that, things are about to get real. And who, who, is, who is Christ talking to? He's talking to Jews. Because again, this time frame, the tribulation, is about the Jews. So what is it that actually triggers, what is the abomination, the abomination of desolation? Well, it's for one, it's when the Antichrist goes from being a world leader to actually sitting on a throne in Jerusalem saying that he is God. And that's what will be happening. 
and the whole world will believe it, except for some Jews, okay? And that, that's why it's important that if you don't know Christ, you, you need to meet him, because you will believe that he is God, that the Antichrist is God if you're here on that day. So Revelation chapter 13, verse 3 and 4, this is the whole thing that takes place. There's a, this transition to the abomination of desolation happens because the Antichrist, the man, dies. The, okay, so at the beginning, the Antichrist is a normal guy. He's a man. Now, granted, he's smart. He's, he's witty. He knows what he's doing. But he is a man, nonetheless. But notice this. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death. Okay, so there's a wound that takes place to, to this head. And it, and it says and it's a deadly wound. And his deadly wound was healed. Skip down to 2 Thessalonians 2. Or, I'm sorry, go back to Revelation 13. Look at verse 4. After this wound is healed, this deadly wound is healed on this Antichrist, verse 4 happens, and they worshipped the dragon. So the world, okay, they're following this guy. He dies of a deadly head wound. Man, then they, they, he, he resurrects, this Antichrist resurrects, and, the, and he says, I am God, sits on the throne in Jerusalem, and the world begins to worship him. Okay? So what's, what's all taking place here? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 says this. For, it's called the mystery of iniquity. So it says, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Now that's King James. It's using some old school words. What's it saying? Okay. That, that initially this Antichrist is a man. Okay. But man, once he gets out of the way, once the man gets out of the way, check out what verse 8 happens. How does he get out of the way? He gets out of the way by dying. The Antichrist dies of a deadly head wound. Verse 8. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So what is, what is the abomination of desolation besides the Antichrist sitting on a throne in Jerusalem saying he's God? Well, it's when Satan himself enters that man, okay? So the Antichrist, the man himself, he died. Is the Antichrist in the world now? If the rapture's close, yeah, he probably is, okay? He hasn't, obviously, he's not doing these things, of course. We wouldn't be here. But, man, once that Antichrist is on the scene, he's a, he's a man. People are following him. He's got charisma. He's smart. And then he dies of a deadly head wound. Satan enters his body at that point, okay? And he's called the son of perdition, which is the same title that Judas Iscariot is given. And so you can study that out for yourself. But he becomes, and he sits on the throne in Jerusalem, and people will worship him. Okay? People will think that he is God. Okay, number four. The terror of the tribulation. The terror of the tribulation. This is where Matthew 24, where people go so, are so quickly to quote, like when, when an earthquake happens, they're, they're, they're posting Matthew 24, right, on Facebook. But this is, he's talking about the tribulation, and he says, when ye shall, look at Matthew 24, 15, when ye shall, uh, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, okay, when that whole thing that I just explained takes place, the world will see it, the people that are here on earth during the tribulation, they'll see it. Right? You know how the media works. It'll be no secret. This is a world leader. Verse 16. Then, after they see that, let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Again, in Judea. Those are Jews. So these Jews will see that, and man, they will run to the mountains. Okay? 
they're getting out of there because that Antichrist is turning his attention specifically to the nation of Israel. And he's trying to take them out. Verse 17, let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Verse 18, neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in winter, neither on the Sabbath day. And then again, verse 21, for then shall be great tribulation. You can see from the verses we just read why Christ makes this statement that's underlined. And he says, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. So we probably came here tonight already knowing that that time period was going to be awful. Man, you think back to the many days of crisis that has maybe happened in our, even just in our nation's history in the last couple hundred years. And you think about the worst days that, you know, worst days of war, the worst days of of trial in your own life, the, wor- the worst days of, uh, that, could, that really could ever be rendered. And man, according to Jesus Christ himself, man, those days won't ha- hold a candle to this time frame. So it's obviously an awful time. And Revelation chapter 14 says, And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress, even under the horse's bridles. Now, I'm not a horse guy. I don't know if that shocks you. But where, <laughs> I know, it, yeah. Uh, where's the, the horse's bridles? Where, where's that at? On their head, okay. I thought so. I didn't want to say it like real confidently without acknowledging people that know horses. But that means the blood's going to be thick, okay. That means it's, it's going to be thick. So, man, it's obviously it's a, it's a time of terror. Now, notice what was said in Revelation chapter four, 14. Is it going to be a time of terror because of Satan indwelling a man and doing these awful things? Yeah, that's pretty terrible. But what's more scary than even Satan indwelling a man and doing these awful things is what said in, in Revelation chapter 14 is that the wrath of God is being poured out on this world. That's the scary thing. So you look in the world and you see these things that take place. And I don't know if you're like me, I'll see stuff and I'm like, man, how can God allow that to happen? Right? And, and God says in, in, in the book of Psalms, he says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. And sometimes I hate that verse because I'm like, I, I don't want to tell them how it is. I want to I I fix this situation on my own. I want to give some vengeance to this joker in my own life. Okay, but God says that and oftentimes it seems as though in this wicked world and the the, the things you see in, in Hollywood and the things you see all around the globe, it seems as though God is turning a blind eye to it. But man, according to Revelation, he's not turning a blind eye to it. He is poor, he's storing up that wrath. He's storing it up in these vials or these seals. They're all, they're all synonyms for the same thing. They're, they're, they're pits of the wrath of God. And he's storing those up that, it, man, during this time, he will pour them back out on the earth. And that brings us to number five, which is, here's the, out of all the teachiness, and this is pretty obvious, but here's the devotional application. Here's the takeaway for us tonight. Is number five, the only escape of the tribulation. So I said, I said, man, how soon is the rapture? Again, you got, you got to, I've learned something. You got to be careful, like, talking about stuff like that and and even saying that it's, it's soon because people get all weird, Okay. The Bible certainly lays out some stuff and gives us some parameters on, on time frames. 
and, and I'm telling you, it's close. It's very close. And man, if it really is close, that should change our life. If you're a Christian, that should change our life because of the judgment seat of Christ. But equally, it should change our life because we know people that maybe this would become a reality in their, in their life. And that ought to change the way that we live. So the only escape, the only escape of the tribulation, I, I told the teens back when we were looking at the rapture that I think people have this mindset that they're going to, they're like, man, I'll get right with God one day, right? And, and people think they have forever, okay? And they, they, we can't think like that because we don't know in our own bodies if we, I mean, God could take, could take us tomorrow, right? But even more so than just death, man, if the rapture really is that soon, then that definitely eliminates the mindset that we have forever, and so, I mean, when, when looking at that, people have this mindset oftentimes, though, they're like, man, I'll get right with God one day. And I've heard, I've even heard people say, man, right before the rapture, I'll, I'll, man, I'll, I'll get right with the Lord, I'll get saved. But the problem is, man, that, that sound of the trump, the Bible says that rapture takes place in the, in, the, in the twinkle of an eye, man, it's faster than a blink. And man, there will be no time for repentance at that point. And, and then once that has taken place, man, if it, if it, if it's you, or if it's somebody that you know, a friend or a family member, somebody that you love, man, there will be no hope for them on, on the other side of the rapture, okay? There will be no hope for them. Second, Second Thessalonians 2 lays this out. For the, I've read you this verse already. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way, okay? Antichrist dies, Satan indwells, and it fills him up. Verse 8, and then shall that wicked be revealed whom the, Lord, who the, uh, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Verse 9, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and, li and lying wonders. Verse 10, and with all deceivableness, this is describing him when he's on earth, and, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth, that they may be saved. Talking about somebody that had the opportunity to, to trust Christ and they did not. They didn't receive the truth. In verse 11, check this out. This is why there's no hope. And for this cause, what cause? For the cause that they did not receive the truth. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. And what lie will they believe? They'll believe the lie that that man sitting on that throne who is the Antichrist, that they'll believe he's God. And the rest is history. So the only escape, obviously, of the rapture, man, it is trusting Jesus now. Okay, man, the, once, once the rapture takes place and this tribulation time period is ushered in, do you know that salvation, even if, you, even if somebody was able to get saved, salvation is not the same in the tribulation as it is today. God's grace is not equal in the tribulation. It's the time of God's wrath. That's why some people call this, we, we believe in dispensations in the Bible, and that's why you have, to, you have to learn to rightly divide the word of God. Because, man, God deals with people differently in different time periods. In the time period that we live in today, Many people, it's, called, it's the church age, but many people call it the dispensation of grace. And the reason they do that is because God's grace is so freely offered. When people in the Old Testament, people in the tribulation, they could not simply look to Christ's finished work on the cross for salvation. And that's a gift that the church age has. That it's his work plus nothing. 
I don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything for eternal life. Our friends that we know that are lost, they don't have to do anything but simply turn and trust on Jesus Christ. They have to believe on him. And man, that time period will be ended once this time, once this time period takes place. So 1 Thessalonians 4, this is why the, the rapture in the Bible is, is actually called to comfort us. Like, I don't know if you've ever, like, studied the rapture and, and you hear how it says, he says, comfort one another with these words. And sometimes I think, yeah, I get it, I'll be with Jesus, but I'm going straight to the judgment seat. What is so comforting about that? Well, it's comforting because it, it removes us from what is to come. It removes us from God's wrath that is going to be poured out on this world. So 1 Thessalonians 4, he says, for, here's the key, here's the only way of escape. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. If we believe on the gospel, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto, uh, unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. People that, are, that already have trusted Christ, that are, their bodies are still, their physical bodies are still in the ground. Man, they'll be raised first, and they get those glorified bodies instantly. Just like Christ's resurrected body. They get those. Uh, verse 17, then we, we, then we which are alive and remain, which I believe will be most of us, I really do. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Verse 18. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And man, again, I've already beat the horse, but devotionally, that's only comforting if the people that we know are going to be in that crowd. That's only comforting for those that are going to meet the Lord in the air. For those that don't know Christ, it'll be the worst news, the worst, the worst thing that could ever take place in their life. So, man, uh, again, really teach you tonight. But, but really, plenty of application, plenty of things that, again, should, if we really believe these things are so close, which I'm telling you they are, if we really believe the rapture is so close and these things do transpire, if we, believe the, if we can believe John 3.16 for our salvation, then we can believe these things because it's what thus saith the Lord. It's going to happen. It's not an if, it's when. And so, man, if you're not saved, obviously, again, today is the day of salvation. Now is when Christ has offered the free gift of eternal life on the merit of his blood on the tree. Okay? So if you have any questions about that and you want to talk about uh, what the Bible has to say about salvation, see me after. I'd love to do that. And, and for the rest of us, man, it ought to be something that, again, motivates me to witness. To tell people how they can have these words comfort them, as Paul told the church of Thessalonica. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you for tonight. God, I, I pray that... Your word was the teacher tonight, Lord. Obviously a very, uh, a very complex thing to study in the word of God. Um, and I pray that uh, you were pleased and, and, and that, again, that you were the teacher from what your word says. God, I pray that we would, we would take some application from all of this tonight, God. Lord, for those of us that know you, again, this ought to motivate us because at this same time that this stuff is going on on earth, we'll be standing eyeball to eyeball with you at the judgment seat which is the biggest thing coming our way. So that ought to motivate us. But for the ones that we know that we're not 100% sure that they are saved, God, may it motivate us to challenge them and to, and to preach the gospel unto them, God. To show them that there is a gift offered through your son. 
Lord, may it propel us to do that. God, if there's anybody that is lost in here tonight, God, I pray that your spirit would, would uh, do the working as only it can. God, and they would, they would respond to the reality that they need a Savior and that Jesus Christ is the only Savior offered. So God, I pray that you would have your way and will with that. God, please continue to bless our church uh, as we go forward. Continue to have your hand on it. Uh, bring us.